0: Welcome to B2B Sales Trends, the podcast dedicated to sales leaders in the B2B space, where we share conversations about innovative and successful sales transformations to keep you up to date on the latest trends. This podcast is brought to you by Global Performance Group. Welcome everybody to the B2B Sales Trends podcast hosted by Global Performance Group. Um, I'm your host today. Uh, William Reddick, I am the Vice President of Marketing and Sales Enablement for Global Performance Group, and today we have an awesome guest. Uh, we have Sarah Noel Block, who is the Chief Executive Officer for uh, Tiny Marketing. Um, I've seen a lot of her content on LinkedIn and in different places, and she has some really great insights on obviously marketing, but also you know for our sales audience here, messaging. And, you know, the way that you can leverage that messaging and cadences and sequences with your leads. So as a way of starting off the interview, Sarah, uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, How did your path lead you to starting your own B2B marketing agency?
1: Yeah, so I started off in marketing like everybody else in there. Um, And I, I worked for a seven company group as a one person marketing department. And that's really what triggered my business idea is that there's nobody to support small marketing departments and these businesses that might have no marketing departments. Um, I was in a position where I needed to figure out a system because I was kind of drowning with seven presidents to report to and a lot of different goals for each business so I developed my system for you know streamlining, systemizing, batching, and automating marketing. And I took that and used that for my business. So when COVID happened and my kids went into virtual school, I had my personal brand was there to a point where I was able to get enough clients for the entire year to make up my salary. And... I just launched it so I could work from home full-time with, with my kids. (laughs) And that was, that's my origin story. It it was COVID uh, pushed me over the edge from just being a side hustling freelancer to a business owner.
0: That is so awesome. Yeah. I feel like COVID affected a lot of us kind of in that way. And I think it's so cool that you get to now kind of pivot and be able to be home with your, with your kids. That's so cool.
1: Yeah. It, um, it was a lifesaver.
0: <laughs> awesome. Okay. So, um, on a, on a different note today, we really want to leverage your, your marketing expertise for our sales audience. And one of the biggest areas that marketing and sales overlap is in messaging, as we kind of talked about at the introduction yeah. and before and filling the top of the funnel. So, uh, what are what are the most important things that as that a salesperson needs to know to implement um, an effective messaging strategy that generates quality leads?
1: Yeah, start off first with really understanding who that core audience is that you that you want to be reaching and build your personal brand around that. They need to see you as a subject matter expert and see you as a trusted advisor. Start there, build your personal brand and become that person that they feel comfortable. Like, hey, if I go to his LinkedIn profile, he's going to teach me how to solve my problem. Become that person first. And that's something that like customer facing staff, like salespeople, it's so important. And you can really utilize the marketing department and team up with them to help you come up with those content strategies that that make sense for that audience. It helps you too. Cause in the future you might not be in the same role, but you'll still have that that personal brand that says, I'm an expert at this thing.
0: Right. So that's kind of, yeah, like similar to to what you had in in your role before. You really had your own your own brand um, as an extension of your company. That's interesting, yeah. Being able to be ultimately like an extension, as a salesperson, an extension of your marketing department in, in a lot of ways, right? Yeah,
1: you're like the giving the distribution power. You're the subject matter expert. You're the person with the customers every day. You matter a lot. And you're the first person that people are going to be Seeing when they're interacting with your company, most people don't go to a company's LinkedIn page; they go to the employees' pages. So okay. you're important. <laughs> so
0: what what tips there then would you have? I mean, obviously, you know, as a mar- as you know, a marketing expert, um, you know, you really understand social. You really under. I, I think that's something that I've seen with 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 salespeople is sometimes there is a bit of a struggle with kind of. Um, integrating those marketing skills into yeah. you know, what they do. So, so any tips there for really optimizing, you know, LinkedIn profiles and and that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, think about. work with your marketing department and think about like SEO, search engine optimization, because LinkedIn is a search engine just like Google is. So make sure that your profile has all of the keywords that people would be looking for when they're solving their problem that you solve. And make sure that your, your LinkedIn profile is fully formed. You have that photo so people can earn some trust. You're active on there. You're header line, your header image, it shows exactly what problem you solve. You make it very clear and easy for people to know how and when to come to you. Your about section is super important. That's like the majority of your landscape that you're able to use. So make sure that that is perfection and it has a ton of keywords and you're really starting customer focused Start with that customer problem, how you solve it, how you guide them through the problem, and do that right in the about section. And then you can work with your marketing department to come up with regular content that makes sense for your profile. Right. You might post at least once a week, so it shows that you're active. I was
0: going to ask that.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So in terms of frequency of posting for the individual. So one one kind of... um, one kind of thought that that I've had as the marketer for Global Performance Group, um, and and maybe a a question for you here is, you know, a lot of times, like, we definitely encourage, you know, our team, especially our customer facing team, to repost um, Mm things from the company and and that sort of thing. Um, Is is that something, what's kind of the balance there between having, you know, the individual salesperson's content going out there and kind of resharing the content from the company?
1: Yeah, the algorithm definitely favors when you're creating your own content. So you'd get even more boost from that. If one, if they're resharing with a comment at the top, that will give it a little bit more boost than just a reshare without any additional comments or hashtags. Um, It would give you even more LinkedIn real estate, more um, if you write your own posts or if your salespeople write your own posts and um, comments go really far too. One of my clients, they, anytime we write a LinkedIn post on their company brand, they send the link to that LinkedIn post to all of their subject matter experts and salespeople, customer facing people within the company, and let them know about it so they can comment and like and reshare. And that has a huge impact on it,
0: right? Yeah, definitely. That that makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, in terms of alignment with the with the company, um, that that was another thought that popped in my head as you as you're kind of talking about that. Um, I know that sometimes there there are organizations that like want to make sure that you know salespeople are aligned with kind of the content that. You know, uh, marketing is putting out there and that sort of thing. What's what sorts of things do you do you recommend to make sure that that's not an issue for salespeople out there?
1: Yeah, I would say if you work with your marketing department on content themes that you should post within, that that's a good direction to go because it doesn't put you in prison. <laughs> it doesn't tie right. you up with what, the kind of content that you're able to create, and it. It kind of stifles your creativity when you're put in this box. But if you have overall content themes that you are recommended to post within, I think that makes a lot easier. It's parameters that you can stay within without having your creativity stifled.
0: Got it. Yeah, I I love that too because you know a lot of a lot of salespeople that I've worked with in the past do have like that you know, that creativity aspect that they want to get out there, you know, yeah. maybe kind of like marketers a little bit at heart. So, um, I think that's really cool that, you know, give them content themes and then they can be creative within, within that framework. Yeah. I think the, um, kind of the overarching theme for me is, as I'm listening to you is, you know, as it relates, LinkedIn is a very, very powerful sales tool in the, in the B2B space. Mm-hmm. Um, and to really, you know, generate what we're talking about today—that top of the funnel and nurturing leads—and what we're going to be talking about later. Um, but yeah, key theme: work with your work with your marketing team uh, to, you know, to make sure that your your content is on point and um, you know as, as much as you can. So I think that's that's really great and helpful. Yeah,
1: they they are the experts in in their space, so they can give you guidance. Right. I, at least in my experience, the salespeople I've worked with, they didn't feel comfortable writing LinkedIn content. Right. Um, and that's why I recommend work with marketing because they they know how to post on LinkedIn. They know what works, what structures work, what themes make sense. So with a little bit of guidance, it'll be a lot easier if you're uncomfortable doing it.
0: 100%. Yeah. And And in today's I mean, I feel, I feel like that's something that I want to emphasize at the, at the end of this, you know, it it might feel like we're really talking about marketing right now, but like, you know, salespeople in today's like modern landscape, LinkedIn can be, you know, so powerful in, in terms of, you know, your, your sequences and your sales cycles. So uh, I'm really glad that we were covering that.
1: I would Uh, say most of the people I work with, I buy from, I have met them on LinkedIn first.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so let's talk about cold messaging sequences because that was one of the, the main things that we wanted to talk about today. So in um, nurturing leads, um, yeah. So once once you've gotten a um, a prospect's attention, um, what does that look like? At G- at GPG, we teach sales teams to deliver uh, to deliver tailored nuggets of value, um, and the nuggets of value are The intent there and the aim is to help control the sales process and move the customer to the right and logical close. Uh, But from a marketing perspective, from your perspective, Sarah, what are your best practices for uh, nurture sequences?
1: Yeah, really personalize them whenever you can. When the nurture sequence is coming from sales as opposed to marketing, it's a whole different game. It's really personal. It feels more one-on-one. So it can't be generic like it would normally be from marketing. Um, So if it's coming from the sales team, I would say I'm actually I'm working on a welcome sequence um, course. I'm creating it and I've been working with a lot of thought leaders in the email space. And one of the recommendations was to create a personal video. It's like 20 seconds that goes in that first email that goes out to your prospects. And you could use tools like Bonjoro or Vidyard to do this. And it's just a super quick video where you maybe mention the pain point that you learned about that they were having and address them by name so they know it's completely personal. And send that first. So it's like, I spent a little bit of time getting to know you, your problem, and send a personal message. And I think that has a really big impact. So start there. And from there, you're starting to have a conversation. Hopefully they reply back and you'll understand better what their problem is and what pain points they're trying to solve. You can send content that's been created by marketing. Um, that helps them solve that problem. And like right now I'm working on a sequence for one of my clients. She's in real estate and it happens to be a sales sequence. And this is just coincidental with this podcast letting up I was writing yesterday. But what I did for her is I had that really personal email as the first one. And then the next two were more um, nurturing. And that I was sending them content that I knew would solve their problem. And then the third one might be going back to, hey, if you want to have a call, here's my scheduler, a more sales one, to nurture one sales. And that's how I set it up.
0: Okay. So now thinking about it and in, in you talking about, you know, kind of your client base and how, how you currently work with them, you probably have a very interesting perspective on the relationship between marketing and sales teams. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you've seen work and not work as it relates to the marketing sales relationship?
1: Yeah, it, it can be hard because I don't know, marketing and marketing support sales. That's their goal is to port, is to support sales. But a lot of times they end up enemies for some reason <laughs> and it's ridiculous. Um, so I think communication is a big is a big issue that's happening, that marketing and sales are working in silos instead of working together. Um, So instead of creating those marketing campaigns without interacting with sales, work with sales, understand what target accounts they're going after and what customer or what products or services they're really aiming for right now, what tactics are working for them and integrate all of that into the marketing. Right. So I'm talking to about this in the perspective of the ways marketing goes wrong, because that's the way, that's what I've seen before. Right. right. But sales should feel comfortable going to marketing and saying, hey, these are my target accounts, because account-based marketing is the easiest way to win. Right. <laughs> when yeah. you're targeting very specific accounts, that's when you win fast.
0: Right it's that, it's that personalization. It's that tailoring that you were talking about before. It's, you know, that custom video that you make for, for that, you know, client that like, um, you know, when I, I'm speaking from like my experience as a consumer, when I receive Mm -hmm. that canned message that I know that's gone out to a million people, Yeah. (laughs) uh, yeah. Um, might hit the junk mail button. Um, but you know, when I get a very tailored, it actually just happened to me this morning. Funnily, like somebody sent me a message and was like, "Hey, Will, I saw that blog post you wrote, and points five through seven were so you know poignant. Let's yeah, uh, it. Yeah, right? You, I could, I was like, oh, you know, um, I, I like that you looked at that. Um, Yeah, sure, I, I'll take a meeting with you. Let's talk. About that. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> Same thing happened to me yesterday. That's so funny. <laughs> Someone, oh God, what did they talk about? Um, Oh, about my podcast. They were asking me about my podcast because I'm, um, I'm booking for season three and she was interested in doing it, but she's also a product that I've been testing out. So, you know, that she was like, okay, let's hop on a call, talk about all the ways that this product can help you. And then we'll talk about the podcast. (laughs)
0: very nice yep so yeah getting, yep look getting that research in is so key and then it, it the way that you integrate your marketing one actually as we're talking about that um in the it's for me thinking about marketing and sales collaboration in the way like we, like we should be 100% supporting one another, and it's always so strange to me when it doesn't happen. And wow. I've I've thought about the reasons why that that happens in some organizations, and I wanted to to run an idea past you and see what you think. Okay. So, Let's <laughs> hear it, it, it. Could it be um, in in some organizations because of like marketing and sales feel like almost like they have different objectives within those organizations, like you know, um, in, in, some cases, you know, marketing, um, they don't feel like they have the same, um, tie to the end goal that, that sales does. Do you know what, do you know what I'm saying? I do
1: know what you're yeah. saying. And that could certainly be the case because a lot of companies are set up where you can't tie revenue to marketing. Right. Like, I work with some manufacturing companies, for example, where their end sales are happening through a distributor. And it's nearly impossible to be able to tie those distributor sales to what was the original marketing that that led to it. It's really more about brand awareness at that point. And that's super hard to rationalize and test and report on. So in those cases, yeah, it's really hard. But in the end, marketing is responsible for generating leads that are good, that can be pushed to sales. So you do have the same objectives. It's just your benchmarks, like marketing's benchmarks in those particular situations are hard to report on. So they have to go with fluffier things like um website traffic conversions on landing pages that can't be tied to the actual sales and it sucks but that's what your like your performance is being based off of so right. you do end up having different goals even though you have the same goals
0: and, and it makes me think way. like do you do you think in order to like if you're struggling with that issue with that marketing sales collaboration because a lot of what we're talking about today is kind of breaking down that wall a little bit and having more of that collaboration between marketing and sales in order to fill the top of the funnel more effectively um is it you know kind of looking at those you know keep those kpis that you know you have for marketing in particular and you know maybe tying it in more to as much as you can to the end result instead of looking at those fluffy things like you're saying website and being that hey that's your benchmark for success how about our benchmark for success is you know ultimately how you know deals closed and that sort of thing i I, it's just a, a thought you know
1: in so what makes it so hard is like if you're if the marketing's bonuses for example marketing staff's bonuses are tied to revenue and there's no way to actually tie marketing activities to revenue because they're, they're three degrees apart, like right. in the process, like with manufacturing and a distributor actually selling it, then marketing is going to be like, well, that can't be my benchmark because my right. bonus can't be tied to something we can't measure, Right. So that's the problem there. But it's out,
0: of, would, my like, yeah, well, it's out of my control, like it's how I've always because I worked for an agency before and I always like I would always hear that, you know, from, you know, from some of the, you know, account managers and, and strategists. And it was like, OK, once we finish this, you know, this piece, it's out of my control. It's on the sales team now to be able to close those, you know, to close those opportunities. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I think that in those situations, like. SaaS, for example, it's a lot easier to measure marketing activities right. to sales because it's all digital. Right. But if we're talking about some something where you're creating the product and then a third party is selling it and it's hard to do, I would say account-based marketing makes the most sense for that type of marketing because you can measure that and you can tie it to both sales and marketing goals. You need to rethink the way you market.
0: Definitely. Okay. All right. I'm going to keep thinking on that Um, (laughs) (laughs) and and see what I can come up with one of these days. Okay. Um, So another thing that we talked about, and this is from a conversation that we had, I think, when we first talked a couple of weeks ago, um, we were talking about the the power of sales enablement hubs um, Mm -hmm. and and how that can impact uh, personalized messaging. Um, can you talk a little bit about the sales enablement hubs and, and, and personalized messaging and, and how and your vision for how, um, how that's a best practice?
1: Yeah, yeah. I've worked with a lot of companies that create sales enablement hubs, and it's because I'm in content marketing. So I'm creating all of those pieces that go in those hubs. And it, it has a big impact because, well, content marketing is marketing. It's educating your consumer and every piece of content that goes out, whether it be social video, podcast, blog, case study, it's all content. And if you can create a sales enablement hub for these specific accounts you're targeting, you can get really granular. You can put in that personalized video in for them. You can have all of the content that matches exactly the conversations that you've had with them knowing what their pain points are. You can put in sales enablement content that they can use to sell to their C-suite who has to approve the buying process. Put it all within that hub, make it easy for them to say yes to you and push it forward within their organization so they can actually close that deal (laughs) and you win.
0: Yeah. So it's all about facilitating kind of that that smoother process, easier access to assets. Mm-hmm.
1: In, yeah. In- Take away any friction that anyone might have in saying yes to your business and a sales enablement hub is a, such an easy way to do it. Every pain point is solved there. Every ability for them to sell it to their organization is there.
0: Right. Instead of getting that message to the marketing team where it's like, hey, do you guys have this brochure anywhere? Yeah. Anywhere?
1: <laughs> a, yeah. Uh, just, yes. Have a hub where everything can be created and found easily. Right. And then be able to create those personalized hubs for the accounts that you're targeting.
0: Awesome. Okay. Um, and with that, I mean, when I think about the the possibilities behind like a really like beautifully personalized sales enablement hub, it like makes me think of the the future and in you know what that could look like for B two B sales. So, um, what other trends do you project to take shape uh, in the near future of B two B sales?
1: I would say hyper personalization. That you'll be able to, um, like before it was more spray and pray, where you would reach out to a lot of people within an overarching customer avatar and hope for the best. And that's we're seeing that less with more technology that allows us to do account based marketing specific for companies that we are targeting we're able to market a lot better. So I think it's going to be hyper-personalized. It's going to be for individual roles. And that personalization with the video is going to make a big difference. Sales enablement hubs is going to make a big difference. And then being able to retarget ads to those people that you're interacting with will make a huge difference. You're hitting them from a lot of different directions, adding value, educating them, and building trust. And that's how you make sales.
0: Right. Okay. And, and, and one thing that's interesting, we had a, a guest on recently um, that really talked about kind of the the change in over the next five years of more millennials becoming, you know, buyers mm-hmm. and how millennial buyers have a different kind of preference for their their buying experience as a whole.
1: Yeah, don't call me. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> You call um,
1: me, you're dead to me. <laughs>
0: right, right, right. So, so what? Are, what is your what is your take on that? When we like, when we think about you know the millennial persona,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? and we think about you know how millennials kind of pr- prefer to buy anything and and, and shop for anything. Um, what how, what do you think changes there with, with sellers and the way that we should kind of approach that?
1: Well, a big thing about it is that they're already 70% through their sales process before they even talk to a salesperson. And that's just how millennials are. We like to do our own deep digging and research and figure out how to solve our problem before we reach out to anyone. And we're already real close to, we've already have our short list of companies that we're even considering before we reach out to you. So I would say that... Yes, this is true. Don't reach out to them on the first lead in like a sales capacity. The first time they reach out to you, start with a welcome sequence, start educating them. Don't call them or text them to be able to push it forward. Move them forward through education and make it easy for them to understand how they can move that forward. Like have a CTA at the end of those emails. Like, and if you want to talk about this any further, I'm open to a conversation. Here's my Canly link or whatever,
0: right. but
1: don't be don't be pushy. <laughs> Millennials <laughs> don't like that.
0: <laughs> we, we turn off quickly. Uh, yeah,
1: I'm like, oh. Someone yeah. I was at Content Marketing World two weeks ago, I think it was, and of course every sh- every session I went to, the whoever whoever sponsored it called me like trying to push their product on me. And I'm like, ew, I'm just blocking number after number and mentally noting I'm not buying from them. I like to solve my own problems. And then when I figured out who I want to solve it, I will come to you. Okay.
0: Now that, that makes sense. So we've got to, we've got to nurture the, nurture them with uh nurture, the millennials with information and value. Uh, yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay. Cool. I, yeah,
1: when the first conversation is "Hey, let's hop on a call," it bugs me.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I don't have time for that.
0: Well <laughs> so shifting those CTAs to, oh, oh, away from that, at least in the in the initial part of the sequence. Um,
1: yeah, I would put education but, as the first priority and keep it more of like an afterthought. If you want to talk about this further, if you want to hear more about our platform, um, here's my link. So have it on there, but don't make it the main point of it.
0: Okay. But then building maybe like a little bit stronger throughout the sequence. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, What I I usually do do is,
1: yeah, allow the option to have that call and let them know how you can solve their problem in that first email. Nurture, nurture, a little more salesy in the third one. Nurture, nurture, salesy.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I always think about it. I put it into the. You know, as a millennial myself, I put it into the the mindset of how would I react to this? How would I respond to this? How would I respond to this? Like, you know, this copy. Um, and yeah, yeah. So,
1: so, yeah, I really need to make a folder in my Google of like these are emails I hate. So I make right. sure I like, have a checklist of all the things I do not want to do.
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah. Um, okay, well, so can you talk a little bit about tiny marketing? What's, what's your mission with tiny marketing?
1: Yes. My mission is to educate small marketing departments and solopreneurs so they can do the same things the big guys can. I focus a lot on content marketing because I believe education is key to marketing and teaching them how to do it efficiently and effectively. So even small teams with small budgets can do it.
0: Very cool. Okay. Um, and you have a podcast too, Thank right? You. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> the it's, Tiny it's, Marketing it's, Show. Got it. Okay. Tiny Marketing Show.
1: Yes. So we're everywhere podcasts are. The Tiny Marketing Show is also, it's also on YouTube. And then as far as services, I help them. Um, content ideation. I create content strategies for you every quarter where... I'll figure out exactly what kind of content would make sense for you, put the briefs together. And then if you need creation, we can do the creation, the production of it too.
0: Awesome. I'm, I'm definitely checking that. I, I did take a quick look, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to dig a little di- bit deeper and listen in, in listening on a lot of those episodes. So I'm excited to check
1: Thank that you. out.
0: Yeah. Well, um, thanks again, Sarah, for being uh, a guest here on our podcast. Uh, the B2B sales trends podcast. I think you're, uh, you know, all of your insights on, gosh, how salespeople could leverage LinkedIn uh, better and, and use their profile, work with their marketing teams, sales enablement, content hubs,
1: and your
0: notes on personalization. Yeah. you. Um, I think all of those things are so powerful for, you know, um, salespeople and filling that top of the funnel and, and nurturing leads. So thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. I was happy, happy to be here.
0: Awesome. And thanks again also to all of you listeners out there. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Sales Trends Podcast. Until next time, happy selling.